0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Shop Talk Show. This week, we have a very special guest we'll get to in a moment. I want to mention our sponsors at the top of the show. One, we're sponsored by Shop Talk T-shirts, which are available at shoptalkshow.com slash store, which I've been meaning to mention at the top of the show for a couple of weeks. (laughs) Two, we're sponsored by Environments for Humans, of course, at environmentsforhumans.com. The big awesome one coming up is the InControl Conference in Orlando, which is at 2013.InControlConference.com. We'll tell you a little bit more about that later in the show. And welcome for the first week as a sponsor on Shop Talk Show, the awesome Treehouse at TeamTreehouse.com. They've been a longtime sponsor of CSSTricks.com, but I've never sponsored Shop Talk Show. And now they are, and that's awesome. Uh That was great. I think I accidentally <laughs> harmonized with it without trying. <laughs> let's uh, kick this cool. off. Yeah, let's <laughs> kick it off.
1: Uh, uh, Shop Talk Show 2013. And welcome to episode number 50, the first episode of 2013. Is it 50? 50, man. We made it 50 freaking episodes. Oh. Shop That's Talk awesome. Show. I'm Dave Rupert. With me is Chris Coyer. Hi. And Chris, our special guest today is...
0: Daryl Coopersmith. Hi, Daryl. Thanks for joining us. Hi. How are you guys Perfect. Perfect. Good, good. So it was a, we, you, we've been a, a show for a year. I'm just still on the 50 episodes thing. It was January. I got to look. I think sixth. Wow. Uh, so just under a year, 50 episodes. Oh, yeah. That's just, us. That means we missed two weeks. But that's yeah. Thank anyway, you it. Thanks.
1: Thanks. I actually uh, went around and I compiled some stats if you guys are interested in hearing those. Yes, please. Are you? Here we go. So I uh, thought it'd be fun to just kind of share. Everything that's happened. So this is not including this episode with Daryl, uh, because it could affect the stats, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, so in the last year, uh, we did 49 shows, 12 of them were rapid fires, six of them were crossovers, two of them were totally lost and they were with the same person. Uh Matthew Smith. But I counted him in our guest total. So the number of people we had on the show was forty-four guests. And the breakdown there, and I thought I found this pretty interesting. We can kind of discuss it, but uh the there were thirty-three male guests and eleven female guests. So there you go. That's that's a a twenty or one quarter of our guests were female, which is as you probably already know, uh, a little above the the industry average of like 18 to 20% uh, female uh, web design developer
0: types. Yeah. We didn't put a whole lot of thought into it, but I don't think that's too bad of a number. It's not, it's not a perfect 50% or anything, but I don't know.
1: I, 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 I'm encouraged. I feel like, you know, we, we weren't, necessarily padding our results or anything. We weren't really thinking about that, but it was just something I noticed. I thought it'd be a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool stat to report. So hopefully more females in, in 2013.
0: So So, there's a bunch of ideas. We have a guest list a mile long anyway. So, so we have Daryl with us. Daryl is, our. this is, this is, I'm not even sure how to approach it. So WordPress worked at automatic for, for a year and a half. Yeah, about that option. Yeah, awesome. And and WordPress three point five came out, and everybody, if you're on WordPress, I'm sure you've already upgraded to it. But if you haven't, that's crazy. Uh and one of the big big things for WordPress three point five was the um, call them the media stuff. So that, so uploading an image and and dealing with galleries and stuff uh, was a big focus for three point five. Daryl was the one of the two lead developers on this release. Is that right?
2: Yeah, pretty much. Um Andrew Nason and I kind of
0: traded off. He did the release leads kind
2: of managing all the projects and then I spearheaded doing all of this media stuff. And yeah. managed to pull it off and pretty close to on time, which is you know, <laughs> took a lot of late nights, but it's done, <laughs> which is great.
1: Yeah. It's really impressive the three point five media center, if you yeah. call
0: it. Um, it's the best. Thank you. So good.
1: Yeah, yeah it was
2: we, uh, we started kind of moving towards some new stuff because we don't really have any huge kind of JavaScript-y front-end areas within WordPress, or we haven't for a while. Um, and within the past few releases with kind of a customizer and the media manager, I've been working to bring us closer to that. So this big, this, the big thing this release was also introducing Backbone and
0: building it up off of that. Um, what? Really? Yeah. Wow. It's- so, so that, was, that. that was a big deal. We had so when you 5. download WordPress 3.5, you're downloading a copy of Backbone in there, too. Yeah. Huh. It's Backbone
2: and Underscore,
1: both of them. That's cool. Oh. And so that's how you keep kind of your, your kind of – it's just like JavaScript view after JavaScript view. Kind of when you – I guess we should describe it, right? Maybe, Daryl, you can describe it. When you click the Upload Media button now because it's like a button, isn't it? A proper button. Yeah. So what what happens, and why did you have to use Backbone?
2: Well, so it opens up this modal that lets you upload and do a whole bunch of other stuff, um, organize your photos, um, create a gallery, create a link from URL, um, and then you can add on to that with plugins. But Backbone was a good choice just because we wanted it to do a lot of stuff without having to do full page refreshes. It used to be an iframe, which was slow um, and sad, and now it's not. <laughs> um and back I, on was frame slow and sad <laughs> sometimes they're great the, the customizer had to use them uh for like previewing your site because php has to run um but in this case it didn't and it was a balance i mean you have to we have a lot of models which is great because then it's kind of there's this uh investment upfront that you have to learn it and get used to it But then, like, I had the pleasure of watching some people start to get used to the code, and then they'd change one thing and watch everything update, and they'd be like, what is this magic? Yeah. And, yeah, it's pretty great.
1: That's cool. No, I'll have to kind of play with it some more. Um, I just noticed I was just, I had a wow moment
0: the last time I used it, and I was just like, "Jeez, that was great. I know, the drag and drop is so much better now, with the just enormous target and the
2: It's the whole window.
0: It's just you files go to the
2: window and there's nice blue fade in and it works out.
0: Totally. I just I'm doing some uh I'm looking. I should look actually at some of the some of the code you wrote because I'm doing it for the first time. So I'm redoing some of the um, the profile stuff for CodePen and like because our profiles yeah. are kind of lame at this point, and I want to make sure they're super super awesome, something to be proud of. So I'm kind of working on that. And you really need to be able to update your profile right now. We just do the Gravatar thing, which is fine for default, and it's better than fine really. But you should be able to change it on the service that you belong to, I feel like, rather than, like, go to Gravatar and change your thing there. You know, it's just a little...
2: Yeah, I klingy. love Gravatar, but that process is awkward.
0: Yeah, it is a bit, especially without an API or anything. So you can't, like, you have to leave the app that you're in to change it. I feel like that's weird. Anyway. You have to explain yeah. that to people. So, like,
2: <laughs> you're like, this is your Gravatar. It lives somewhere else. Like, it's just yeah. not, doesn't
0: work out. No, even though it's so, like, it's to have it be the default that follows you around and stuff is cool to have it be yeah. separated from, uh, but, but yeah, being able to change it, especially on something where, where we're trying to give you an awesome profile is a big deal. Anyway, so I was like, well, you know, you got to have the like upload from file. And we should probably have one that's like, I don't know, just go get my Twitter one or whatever. Well, whatever makes it easy to change your profile image, we want to be able to do. And one of those is certainly drag and drop. And I was like, oh, you know how WordPress did it? They just made the whole page drag and drop. So like, I, I almost think that should be the default for any kind of drag and drop behavior is just make the target the whole friggin' document.
2: What was interesting there is the UX around that is really tough. Because like you can do a dashed line, but then people get confused when like the whole page becomes a target. So yeah. I- indicating that was particularly tricky. Um, was it? Yeah, I think we've gotten to a point where it's okay. But a lot of UIs, in like, and, and looking around, most UIs have this just dedicated, huge drop zone as a page. And we kind of went with a hybrid where we have a dedicated drop zone area because uploading is important. But we didn't do the dashed line.
1: Hmm. Interesting. So, to sorry, I'm taking this a step further. When you get into like responsive stuff and phones, you know you can't like <clears throat> drag and drop files from a phone. Like, so do you just collapse the drop area, or, or how do you, or do you just degrade down to the uh, default like multiple file uploader, or how did you take any of those considerations in? So
2: we have we we do degrade gracefully. Um, we have a library that we use called PL Upload. I have a love-hate relationship with it um, in that it normalizes a bunch of drag-and-drop stuff all the way down to, like, the IEs and things like that. Um, And what it does is you can check for drag-and-drop support, and we tweak the UI based on that. So if you don't have drag-and-drop support, like if you're on a phone or something, you'll just see select files if you can select files. And if you can't, then we're just like, you can't
0: upload from this device, which isn't common anymore, which is pretty great. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Because if it's type, if it's just input type equals file, on, for example, iOS, it will just open up. The like, what does it open up? Just the file? Just photos, right? Yeah, I think still? it's your recent photos. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah. I actually f- had a weird bug with it. I wonder if you've came across Ooh, this. So I wanted boy. to have a. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, we don't have to dwell on this, but I, but I was, I had a. You know, a div that would just show up on drag start, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And it was the div that's like, it's basically an overlay. It covers the entire page, position fixed, top left zero. I know where you're going with this. Keep going. (laughs) Okay. And then, and then on drag start, it just, it just shows that div and it would flicker. It would, for whatever reason that triggers a, a, a drag end and then it disappears and then you're hovering over the document again, which triggers a drag start, which shows the div, which is that... Yeah, that? we... Oh, man. See, I encountered that a bunch of times, and we have some
2: throttling on
0: that. So that shouldn't
2: be happening.
0: The other one no, is No, it's not so, in WordPress. It wasn't my lame ass. Oh, okay. I guess, So, yeah, we had to deal with that. Um, and
2: the... I think the best, the way that I ended up doing about it was kind of doing a quick debounce where you have to defer the ending event because it triggers in rapid succession. So it'll be like drag start, drag end, drag start, drag end. And that's painful because the, it's like the nesting of the drag event. Um, when you show the overlay, um, you're now dragging over a different element. and the th- the event still that you're- in the document. You know? Yeah, so, so the event that you're listening to is the same, but since it changes in the tree, it triggers end and start again.
0: Oh. Oh, I but, see. So because because your event that. target changes. Yeah, okay.
2: Right? So, like, it, it makes sense when you think about it, but it's annoying. So, so it's
0: not really a bug. I kind of thought it was a bug. Uh, but that, I guess that makes sense. But can you can you can you just like prevent default on that?
2: Um, preventing default on drag events is kind of weird, if I remember correctly. But I think the way I ended up solving it was just throwing in kind of a set timeout zero to defer it to the end of execution. Um, okay. Which is you know it always feels a little hacky, but that's it makes sure that the start event fires. Um, before checking whether or not to hide
0: things, gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah, it's in there somewhere. <laughs> oh, so I was, you know, this is, you know, this I, I picked out a bunch of WordPress questions for this, this is, we have Captain Coop, lead dev of 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 WordPress three point five and stuff, and then and then it turns out not that this is this is a good thing, but it's just kind of weird timing that that you've left automatic.
2: Yeah, that was about I guess two weeks ago now. Um, I was there for about a year and a half. I've been working on Core for about three years—a workhorse, if you will. Yeah. Well, so I I was there and working full time on Core, which is amazing and kind of mind-boggling that you can work full time on an open-source project. Um, But it's kind of come time to do something new and become kind of more of an take more of an advisory role in the community. I think shepherd a few smaller projects, but. Excited to play with some new stuff,
0: you know? Yeah, and, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's, it's like, I don't know, arguably the biggest open source project in the world or the most used CMS in the world, certainly. I mean, it's pretty badass that you get to spend that much time.
2: Yeah, it's, the great thing is, like, I still am part of the community. I can still, you know, yeah. do what, however much work that I want to put in. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, now I'm looking for something new. So to those of you listening, if you have something really <laughs> cool,
0: let me know. Yeah for an incredible JavaScript developer and, and just programmer in general, right? You might even get out of front end or, uh,
2: I, I wouldn't be opposed
0: to it. I love it because I also like, am really designy and
2: kind of like doing UX stuff. So working on front end stuff is kind of the perfect hybrid of logic and creativity for me. Um, but yeah, like I can pick up whatever I need to. So like, You know,
0: doing something diving into mobile maybe would not be a not be out of the question. I thought of something for you. Yes, this is what what you can do. You have to go.
1: Hey, real quick though. Yeah, I want to specify. We get fifteen percent of Daryl's first year salary. Uh, This is a standard. brokerage fee that we have here at the shop talk show. Anyway, go ahead. So you have to bump my salary by whatever that much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, it's, it's paid for by the company. It doesn't affect
0: your salary. So it's, it's yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. You should, you should get a, I mean, Coop is just at at K O O P on Twitter. So that's one easy way to, to get a hold of him. But if you do have an awesome job for him, I'm sure he wouldn't mind hearing about it anyway. Uh, the, what of my idea was that like, cause Coop's come, you've been to my house, what, like three, three, four times or something in the last few months. So, cause Coop's yeah. a good guitar player and we jam, I play the banjo and stuff and we have music. like music nights. Yeah. It's been super fun. And we always like have an iPad or a phone or something. And we're like looking up chords and lyrics and stuff. And I'm sure a lot of listeners tool around on instruments and find themselves on those super crappy, uh, Lyrics—they're always bad. There's not. There's no. There's no such thing as like a good lyrics site. And I'm sure people have had this idea in the past. But it's time for somebody to like step it up on making a good lyrics and chords genre. And I'm not sure what the legality problems is, but like, can you imagine an awesome mobile experience for it? All that stuff in one place. You know, getting the, a tuner in there and getting. That would be know. beautiful. Yeah, you can just and you can access like mic APIs and stuff. You imagine awesome. the awesome UX, the, the the experience there, and like you know how like oh this one has like a D where it's supposed to be a C and it's weird, but you're like oh, but just go back two pages to the variations and scroll down to the seventh one, and that's the one that has the chord in the right place. You're like, come on, that's crazy. Yeah, you know, just how it's
2: oh, yeah, that, just, yes, it's a really good idea. If if like if I'm not there with someone, someone in this audience, make this happen.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Auto-transposing, like, chord charts. Like, yeah. oh, sure. god, that'd be so cool. And there's clearly money to be made in this. People would pay just to, to have a good experience for it. I would pay a few bucks just to have access to the site or app to use it. Not to mention th- these things clearly make money off ads.
2: Yeah, well, like, but the,
0: the solution right now is plaster ads all over everything. <laughs> yeah. Right, which is you know at least at least there's a way. Anyway, it's it's not like there's no money, and it's not like you're inventing a new market or whatever. Yeah, no, this is All a right. Very good idea. Coop's new job, fifteen percent. yeah right. Yeah. Well, cool. So that was lukewarm drama. Coops left automatic, looking for a new job. Do you
1: think you'll do WordPress in the future, or you like burn out on it?
2: Um, I'm looking to do something else. Uh, mm-hmm. It's because like, the thing is that I'm still part of the community, so I can do it in my free time. But one of the things about kind of developing for core, and I have a feeling that this will come up a little bit later, is that you know, you're working for a project that affects 17% of the web. So, and we believe really strongly in backwards compatibility. So like, all of your code is really high stakes. And also, you don't really have the, um, like, bringing something in like Backbone is a really big deal. And so you have to be sure. Um, And so experimenting is a bit harder. And I don't know, I'm just, like, ready to mess around with some other stuff. Like, you know, happy to experiment a bit with Ruby and Python and, like, be able to mess around more with CoffeeScript, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So, yeah, new things.
1: You want to get fast and furious.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, fast and furious. (laughs) That's...
1: Awesome. Well, cool. Um, We'll kind of move on. Uh, Do we have any news and links you need to talk about,
0: Mr. Chris? Uh, I did want to point out just because this happened yesterday, and it's it's just been something that I used to do this talk back in the day that was all about pseudo-elements. I was like, I did this whole, you know, our talk on just the before and after element and how kind of cool they are and useful and people should be aware of them and use them for things. They help semantics. You can do all kinds of neat stuff with them. And then the one big caveat was that um, a lot of times, what you want to use them for is just little designy add-on type of things, like in, you know, you have a little, I don't know, star on an image, or I don't, know, I don't know why I'm blanking on it. There's a million examples of neat things you can do with pseudo element, uh, but they're often just designy add-ons in, in cases where you don't want to throw an extra span or div in there. You don't have to. You have a pseudo element that can do it, uh, and, and because they're designy things. Uh, it makes sense that they uh, would be able to be animated or transitioned. You know that's you know, you know, where I'm going with this. It works in. It has always worked in Firefox. The ability to apply an animation or transition to a pseudo element. It has always been broken. A long-standing years and years and years bug with WebKit, and they fixed it yesterday. So in Chrome Canary now, if you open it up, you can animate and transition pseudo elements.
2: Awesome! And Just, the whole internet rejoiced.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a awesome thing. Uh, so it's a, it'll be in Chrome 26. So it'll be you know it'll be a while before it's out in Chrome stable, and it'll be even longer before it's out in Safari, and per, presumably longer still till it's in mobile Safari. But uh, you know, it's on the way. Yeah,
1: that's cool. Yeah. I was somebody tweeted I can't remember it, so it's not even worth saying. But somebody tweeted about this bug. In Firefox, that's been open for like six years or something. And it's like super simple. Like somebody committed a fix for it, but it just hasn't been rolled in. I wish I knew exactly what property it was, but mm-hmm. I just thought it was. It's just interesting what browsers prioritize, even though, you know, something.
0: Yeah. There was a really, really long one in Firefox about like max height not supporting. <laughs> M's or something. I don't know. I I have that wrong. Wrong. Why did I even bring it up? Next. Shop Talk Show. Professional misinformation. Six weeks. But it goes to beta first. Somebody's asking in the chat room, does Chrome release every six weeks? Which it does, although I'm not sure that's a hard deadline. But then it goes to beta. Then it goes to Chrome. So it would be 12 weeks, which is three months. So it'll still be a little while. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. Let's do some Q&A. Let's do one question, then i will do a sponsor. Yeah,
1: sounds good. Uh, first question comes from Phil Thompson. Uh, he's written in before, but this one's about WordPress here. So He asks, uh, I recently bought myself a new laptop for my website work. Uh, on my laptop, I use WAMP, W-A-M-P, as a local server for building and testing. When I copy the contents of the www folder... Over to the laptop, WordPress seems to break. I can call up the homepage in the WP admin section, but all the other pages show up as either 404 or 403. Has anyone else had this problem? This is a problem that I need to fix as soon as possible because I'm in the middle of a client job at the moment. Uh Uh-oh. Broken WAMP.
0: Two laptops running WAMP on both. WAMP has a www folder. WAMP is like Windows, Apache, MySQL, and yeah. PHP. So it does something like allows you to run WordPress. It has all the dependencies for WordPress on it. So www folder. He moves just that folder to the other laptop, set up in the same way, but doesn't work on the new laptop. What's up with that?
2: Well, so that actually sounds like uh, we're not migrating the database, right? So all of your posts and pages live in a MySQL database. And... That's the, I guess, M part of WAMP. And if you're not migrating all of the posts and pages from the database, which you can do by just exporting the database, there are a whole bunch of plugins to do that. Um, And then importing it, which we have a built in
0: importer. Um, So it's kind of core, but kind of not. Like you can go and go to export, and then it'll be like, oh, in order to do this, you actually need a plugin. And then. Well, no. So
2: so we, we bundle them, they're official, right? And for exporting, just the simple WordPress export, you go to the page, it does its thing, it gives you an XML file. And then for importing, we have like a billion different importers and they're separate plugins. We actually have like small, like uh, other members of the community can help maintain them, which is pretty just awesome. Just
0: to keep core smaller. That yeah, thing?
2: that was a big thing a couple of versions ago. Um, but yeah, export, import, and all your content will be there.
0: Um, really simple process. So you don't need to like go MySQL dump... Dash, no, no, no. You, yeah. You could, a, but you don't. It's a good thing to back up, but still. Actually, yeah. it's probably better not to do that, right? Cuz what if your local domain name is slightly different and stuff? Oh yeah,
2: do do the export import because it's gonna
0: it'll adapt to your new settings. And if you did that, uh, make sure that cuz you just copied the folder Probably copying the folder got the htaccess file, but that was the first thing I thought of is when you just, when you like copy all the file, like select all, copy files, drag over to new folder, you often don't get the hidden files, the ones that start with a dot, like htaccess. Yeah. Mm, and if you yeah. did move the database, it could be the missing htaccess files.
1: Yeah, could be htaccess,
0: definitely. Anyway.
1: Um, if you're like, call for help, this is fun. And if you did like, if you did like just dump the database and put it in, you're, you probably have. Paths that are wrong, like your server.
0: Yeah, it's just not
1: the best. Like, if you're using, if it's the exact same development
2: environment, and like you're looking to get all of the specific like odd database configuration things, um, if you've been doing complicated stuff, that might be your best option. But if if you're doing a normal site, like the general thing you should do is export your site into the XML file, import your site using the WordPress importer, and everything should run smoothly.
0: Totally. I think my, my CSS tricks a little big for that these days. I think there might be some limits on what. <laughs> I would think so. Yeah, it's willing to export. Uh, and you know what? If you do, if you change your path, like sometimes I have to export CSS tricks live and import it locally, which isn't a big deal. You just gotta do that once in a while, so you have some recent data to work with. A lot of times, I'll like I'll go change the URLs and stuff in the options table so that it's all good. But the one I always forget is the upload path. Yeah. yeah, like yeah, that one's always screwy because it doesn't really give you an awesome error in the upload. You know, like if you upload it, it'll just be like, oh, it didn't work. You're like, but why not? It's just, and it'll be like the folder uploads doesn't have the right permissions or something. You go change it to the right permissions, and it still doesn't work. It's because it's trying to upload it in some weird place that is where your server puts files, but not your local machine. Anyway, I know that was abstract. Yeah. What do I you get?
2: Like we have some weird errors like that um, where you have this like upload path, or I think the FTP credentials is the best one, is that like we'll directly write to your server if we have permission, but if we don't, we fall back and we're like, hey, can you give us your FTP credentials? Except when a user sees that screen, it's just like the most confusing thing ever and it usually indicates a problem with the direct write, not that they should be using FTP. Right. So that's totally. like a weird and user even if you give stuff.
0: it your FTP credentials, even that has some, only some percentage chance of actually working. Exactly. exactly. Hmm. You got anything to else, Dave? No. Well, I was just
1: gonna say or ask Daryl do you Do you think like WordPress development locally is kind of difficult? In my opinion, I don't know if you share that same opinion. Uh, but do you think that's something WordPress is going to get better at? Because I see a lot of people like opting out of that uh, WordPress for like static site generators, myself included. Uh, or something like Kirby or something like that just to have this like better local dev environment. Do you think that's something people are either WordPress is going to fix or, or how do you feel?
2: So I think it's tricky, right? Because uh, like static site generators are just that they generate a flat site. So developing locally is super easy. Um, there's a bunch of stuff with WordPress that's kind of tricky. I think that we like some people are pioneering um, newer and more efficient ways of dealing with stuff. Um, like Mark Jakevith is doing a bunch of great stuff. He's another one of the lead devs. He has um, a couple of projects up on GitHub, githubcom slash Um Things called WordPress Skeleton and WP Stack, both things that are like meant for dealing with deploying WordPress in really large scenarios and using it in. You know, its own Git project and sub modules. Like, we have some configuration to make it work really well. It's just tricky for people. For me, I never really find a huge problem with it. I think that the biggest problems come from syncing content. And there are some plugins to do that. Um, it's a growing thing. I think one I'm remembering right now is Crowd Favorites Ramp plugin, mm-hmm. which helps you stage all this content.
0: We've had um, Alex King on the show before and literally talked about it. So, if you're super <laughs> interested,
2: listen to that.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, yeah, I think it's tricky. I'm not, I'm not totally surprised because part of it is that you have to balance this, like we're developing for kind of users first, I think, and then like also trying to get all of these APIs in for developers. And it's just really powerful and it's not for everyone, right? So yeah. if you're looking for more queries and like having native comments and, you know, being able to, do all of this live searching stuff. Like, yeah, this is where it should be and have like all these custom content types. If you're looking for a free for all kind of thing to experiment, um, yeah. A static site generator makes sense. That's I actually, I've been experimenting with one, uh, scandal, uh, huh. which is, yeah, I've, I've been, I've been messing with Jekyll Jeez. and I know <laughs> it's rough. Uh, no. And, and it's awesome. Cause part of it is that like, the theming system, there's so much stuff that for my personal site, I just don't need, right? Like, I don't really need tags or categories or even comments. Like, I just really want to have a way that I can be creative in both what I'm writing or curating or actually being able to design and do kind of custom layouts and use custom code per, on, like, on a per-post basis. And a theme gets unwieldy for that, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's, it's also not the main use case, right? Like, i like, I feel like Jekyll has been described as blogging for hackers. And I understand that, you know, it's, we can't be everything to everyone. And I think it's particularly hard to do so when you're at that size. And so it's, it's important not to be fearful about all of these different things or be dogmatic and say like, no, this is the best thing for everything in the world. like, Mm -hmm. It serves an express purpose. I like probably running a static site generator for CSS tricks would be a little much, right. But running it for your personal site and being able to mess around with it. Yeah. That's perfectly good. Especially if you want to really get dig into the code.
1: That's cool. Well, that's thanks for sharing. I think you kind of cleared up what I was thinking as well. So yeah.
0: Well, cool. Chris. Yeah. I like it when people are like, you should switch CSS tricks to a static site generator. I'm like, I think they're cool, but are you crazy? Someone tried to convince me that they were like the future and that we should make WordPress
2: that. And he's like, you'd only use, lose like, I don't know, 30% of your users. And I was
0: like,
2: <laughs> first off, it would be way higher than that. Like 99.99. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I'm like, really? Are you serious? Like.
1: Yeah, like, I mean, WordPress needs, like, the one-click update. Like, my uncle, whatever, he blogs about something, I don't know, crappy art he finds (laughs) or something, you know? And, like, he needs, you know, a one-click update to stay up to date and stuff like that. So, obviously, like, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of like, what's the tool for the job? That old saying. Exactly.
2: And we're looking at automatic updates for moving forward. Um, there's a great plugin right now that does it uh, by Gary Pendergast, who is
0: um, a part of cron.
2: Um, yeah. It, and it just automatically updates and it, it does subversion too. Um, and definitely recommend checking that out. I'm excited to see it. I think we're going to try and do minor versions sometime this year, mm-hmm. but cron, like being able to keep everyone up to date is huge. Right? Because then you can start moving faster, releasing faster, all that stuff. I mean, Chrome really kind of
0: blazed the trail here. Yeah. Deprecate the old hotfix plugin. (laughs) I mean, the hotfix plugin is a good place to start. Yeah. All right, let's do a sponsor. You got everybody. Come to Orlando, Florida, February 17th through 19th. You got a month and a half plus to think about this. And I heard they just extended the early bird a little bit for I think it's another week or something. You can buy uh, the tickets for the early bird price, which is seven ninety nine, to go to this conference, the In Control Conference, Orlando, Florida. Bunch of great speakers. Both me and Dave are going to be there. If you use coupon code SHOPTALK, you get... A hundred bucks off too, so it'd be six ninety-nine, which would be way awesome. Uh, me and Dave are gonna be there. It's at this excellent hotel. I've been there the last two years at least, I think. It's not three, but I think it's only two. Uh, yeah, the hotel and the venue is the same place, and I really, really like it. It's a really good conference. Um, you should come. Just come and hang out with us. Don't think about it too hard. You know? You know, yeah. Anyway, for the price go. too, it's really good. There's there's conferences that are worse mm-hmm. and more expensive. There, I just said it. Yeah.
1: No, I mean, is but, that the pitch to go? <laughs> I man, I think that if you you should go and like you should bill this to your clients, like sneak it in, like be like surprise. This costs you know an extra six hundred ninety nine dollars somehow, and go.
0: So if you want to hang out, it's a good one because. First of all, there's a bunch of fun stuff around it. You can you can you can make it a you can make it like bundle it in to go to Disney World or whatever. Two when the when the conference and the in the venue is the same place, you just run into people more often. You know, you don't have to like take a cab or whatever, and people don't just bail right away after the conference or leave early or whatever. It's like it's just there's more mingling and stuff. It's a good mingling conference. Mm, yeah,
1: like that it. makes a huge
0: difference. Yep. Well, all Ooh. right. Let's do another one. Oh, what do I got? We did. We made it. We made it through one question. One question one? so far.
1: <laughs> Only uh, uh, I'm to try to read six this hour, one hour
0: episode of uh, component. Go ahead. Oh, he's talking about home pages. This might be good. I'm a web designer and front. end This is R.J. LeCount. I'm a web designer and a front-end developer. The company I work for does a lot of custom WordPress themes for clients. Most of these sites follow a pretty standard corporate site structure with a home page, maybe a product section, an about page, a contact page, and a blog. I'm curious how you guys would handle the WordPress integration of the homepage for this kind of, the homepage will usually have a carousel at the top with featured slides, an intro paragraph about the company, a few panels or widgets underneath of, of, of featured products. I've tried a few different ways to tie this into WordPress. Lately I've been creating a custom post type for the home and another for the home carousel using the home, dot php template so like if you're in wordpress and you make a template it's called home dot php it will just automatically show that at the root of your site just a good way that's good uh which works but i feel like there's got to be a better way to handle it so the client's experience in editing this content is simpler i mean ideally their experience would just be to go go to pages home hit edit and edit the stuff you know, he just wants it to be this, like, he has the homepage. He really wants to hand over control to these clients. Uh, and, and it just, you know, he's finding that the, the editing of that page isn't isn't ideal, despite doing a, a, some fancy stuff. So what, what what advice do we have? So
2: there's, there's a bunch of ways that you
0: can do fancy stuff. Less. It really, I think, depends on
2: how your content is structured and how it ties together. Um, because you could do this with just a couple of, text widgets and definitely using home.php um, or front page.php is the right way to go in terms of your theme. Um, but like something for the slider with all the content, um, if that's tied to specific posts, I would use featured images on the post um, where you the user has the opportunity to actually open up that media manager we were talking about before and select or upload a featured image that's now associated with that post. And that way, you're not going to manage your content in two places. And if you want to add like a short description, then have them override the post excerpt. Um, and that way, all of the data that has to do with a specific post you're editing on that post page. And then for the home page, um, you know, if it, if the rest of it is just widget areas, go with that. If you want more complex configuration, I would create a settings page for that home page, and you can like the limit there is really you know, it, there is no limit there. You can just create that homepage. You can do front end editing if you wanted to, like it, yeah. it depends on how, like how custom do you want to get? How much do you want to invest in making that great? Because it's, so it's like what we were talking about before in that we try and hit the best use cases for just the defaults. But this is saying, you know, I have a really custom use case. How do I make this, you know, the best for this. And it's like, well, how much do you want to invest? How, like, use the defaults where you can and then pick the best places to customize and go with
1: that.
0: There are so many different ways. You could literally use the widgets, the built-in widgety stuff, because you have a template to work with. So you can, you can place them wherever you need to do and use the built-in feature of WordPress widgets to edit it. Like Koop said, you could use, make a custom settings page just, just for that if you want to. That's what we use on ShopTalk?
1: Yeah, all the sure.
0: And Lately, I made a site for my friend and I used and I wanted it to, it was similar. It had a slider at the top and this type of thing. I made each of the slides of the carousel a custom post type, which it sounds like, which RJ yeah. is doing already. Uh, and, and you know what, you guys, this is this, and this is, there's a lot of talk about what is a good CMS these days. Like, how can I? Let's say I have a magazine or something. How can I? Everybody's talking about that. Your CMS has to work for you, man. It has to. It has to be ready for mobile. It has to. You just have to have a lot of options. Your your CMS needs to be ready for the future. <laughs> and and then people are like, well, you know, a lot of CMSs like WordPress are almost there, but you know, it takes a lot of customization, that type of thing. If you take WordPress and you give it the the. Uh, um, the the custom post types plugin which there's just just find one you know the the most popular one is fine i feel like you can just be like okay i made a new custom post type this one's called you know homepage carousel thing and then you add to that the advanced custom fields plugin which i'm not sure if you've all used i've heard a lot of people say oh i really love this plugin i just used it for the first time and it is truly a really super duper nice plugin it's awesome yeah yeah, you make a new custom post type, and you just give that custom post type advanced custom fields. You, you say, okay, get rid of the get rid of the title and get rid of the normal editor. I don't want that. But what I do want is, you know, three different text area, WYSIWYG text areas that are just little chunks that I want to edit, and I want, you know, uh, I want to be able to pick a color. To you know, have one a one line input that's for a city name or something like that. You you decide what the editor now looks like for that custom post type, uh, and it's so powerful and so awesome. I feel like that's what that's the future of like kind of of customizing your own CMS. And the API for grabbing those values is super super nice and easy. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I mean, these are the core building blocks of WordPress. Now
2: it's you know people were using it as a CMS, so we added custom post types. Um, which are really better considered custom content types. And we have these meta values. And so you can just change it and make it work however you want. And that's the point, really, is just tailor it to your needs, because it can be.
0: You're on the right track, R.J. The things that you're doing already is good. Uh, I would say that in, in in what you're trying to get at is this one page. What you want to give your client is one page where they can edit everything that has to do with the homepage. Uh, I would do that. I would make a a, a custom post type with just one. Just you know which is fine you know you normally you think of it as like a way to make multiple of them but you, in this case it would just be one because it's your homepage then have your home.php template just query for just that one page that you've created which you know you'll have to write a little bit of code but it wouldn't be so bad and use advanced custom fields to give to put all of that stuff on one page whatever it might be all the little tiny chunks you can have a little one of the little wordpressy wizzy wiggy things on it and give that to them and they'll love it is if the like
1: more you can make it just like, Hey client, fill in the blanks, the better your life will probably be. So so it's a lot of, it's maybe a lot of work, like figuring it out and like getting it done the first time. But man, after that, you know, copy and paste code. (laughs) I mean, it's that easy. You can just tweak to your
0: heart's content.
1: Yeah. So I I, I love that
0: WordPress has the that ability in there now. They're like all those building blocks ready to go. A lot of people call for advanced custom fields to be part of core, but I'm like I think it works perfectly fine as a plugin.
2: Yeah, it's adding things to
0: core is tricky. Uh,
2: you know, it's
0: because
2: yeah. that makes sense for a whole bunch of people that are customizing sites for clients. But then, do you really want to leave advanced custom fields active
1: for your clients? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, if my uncle can like start tweaking i mean maybe that's good for him but if he has to start whatever making his own custom fields for all his garbage it could get out of hand real fast yeah it's more balancing all of the different
2: use
0: cases which is realizing the sheer number of them is kind of crazy and you have that experience which is why you'll be such a valuable team member to whatever place you go next Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Boom. Let's do another sponsor. Welcome so much, Treehouse, to sponsoring the Shop Talk Show. Their URL is teamtreehouse.com. No special URL for us this week. Just go to teamtreehouse.com. It is a, uh, you sign up and you learn. It's just training, uh, especially if you're just getting started in this industry. This is, you know, it's modern, it's up to date. And, you know, they, they haven't even been around that long. It's been a few years now. But, They've already like deprecated old stuff and got in new stuff. And that's what I love. You know, like like when you go here, you know that this course isn't that old. It's an up to date version of, of learning HTML and CSS and JavaScript and building a site and building an app, building an IO. Modern learning stuff happens in Treehouse, which is cool. There's a forum, so you can talk. You're part of the community there. You like you have a profile, and you like earn badges and have like proof that you went through this stuff, which is good for for uh, uh, finding a job later. Uh, I, I even <laughs> heard or read a post by Ryan Carson, who's the kind of founder of Treehouse, is that his goal for next year is to place even more people in jobs when they finish with Treehouse, and they're already doing a good job of that now. I know they have lots of companies that look f- at Treehouse members to hire, which is pretty, which is pretty, pretty awesome. It's really changing, yeah. The, I just, I, 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 I'm glad they're sponsoring. Is I, I think that they're they're going to be around. This is a this is a big this is a big thing, you know. So, so, and they're they're kind of just getting started, and there's so much content in there already.
1: Someone asked me today. They're like, "Hey, I'm. I want to learn iOS. Do you know of any resources? And here's your options. You can like go to Apple, you know, the iTunes U, and like yeah. watch some snoozer videos from WWDC. <laughs> They're terrible. You can learn from some Russian kid on YouTube, yeah. or <laughs> like it's this Team Treehouse course is amazing. Like, is really good. I've watched. I, I, probably their older episodes. They probably updated it since. But man, you can just like if you just want to learn iOS like today, that's your 2013 New Year's resolution. You can just go there and like start learning it right now. So mm-hmm. there you go. Knock
0: out nice. the basics. Great. site. thanks, Treehouse, for for sponsoring this thing. Cool. You stick around. Wow. We'll have some more stuff to share as they will let you know when they have uh, kind of new content and stuff. You know, like Dave said, they do have iOS stuff, but they just, they just have everything else. I'm just looking in here and just, you know, like they have a whole course on like, like learning lists in HTML and how to kind of master that. I'm like, that's so specific, but it's like so, such a fundamental building block of, of learning HTML and CSS. A lot of you guys are, are advanced. There's some advanced stuff in here too, so don't worry about that. But especially if you have, you know, a younger brother or something that's looking to get into it. Or, or people ask you, where can I learn what you know? You can tell them, Treehouse, as well. So. Anyway, yeah. that's what we got. Thanks for, thanks for doing it. We've managed to get through two questions now. We've got to get through. <laughs> we, we can do rapid fire. Yeah, we no, could we try. should.
2: We could try. God.
1: Or I could just talk forever. It's like, it's your call. <laughs> Here we go. i queue it up, guys. Here we go.
0: Oh, 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 here's the first one. Wern uh, and Sheta. I'm very interested in learning WordPress development, but I don't know where I should start. Do you have any tips, suggestions, rehearsals to get me started developing on WordPress? Oh, just go to Treehouse. They totally have courses on it. Next. Boom.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, and the next one's an audio question from Mickey. All right, here we go. Hi, fellas. Love your show. You
2: add some awesome spice to my morning commute. Keep up the great work. Here's my question. I'm totally sold on SASS and want to start using it all the time, but I work mostly on WordPress sites that include pre-made, non-Sassy CSS. How can I integrate the two? Thanks, guys. shoptalkshow.com.
0: Well, there's no way this is going to be a rapid. Yeah,
2: uh, this is not a rapid fire question because <laughs> I, I like this question a lot and I have a bunch <laughs> to <say> about. It. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, guys. <laughs> we, no, we did I really wasn't well. Prepared. It's like double their the average. There we go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, I like, Sass and WordPress, I, I've actually just, I was just working on my site with Sass, and I, I'm i a big fan of CSS preprocessors. Um, I think that we, I don't see a lot of use of it within the community, and it's kind of a shame because it's being used all over the place. Um, and so if you're customizing something, you can you can always add a CSS file on top and do overrides, um, or if you're using a, like, starter theme, um, you know, like Underscores, or using a theme framework like Genesis and you're writing a child theme, there's nothing stopping you from using Zass. Um And I think it's hard because with Core, we don't use a preprocessor right now. Um, and I think that at a lot of the Core devs are hesitant because it raises the barrier to entry. Uh, my personal opinion is that we should probably move towards it. Um, because of just, it's so, so useful. Um, but picking one is tricky and you need to get agreement there and making a commitment is huge. Um, and so a lot of people see, Oh, core uses normal vanilla CSS. So I should use vanilla CSS. And in this case, that shouldn't happen because the, um, core can't be uh, a hotbed for experimentation for adopting new technologies. Um, so we can create plugins, but really what people should be doing as part of the community is messing around with it in themes, messing around with the plugins, staying up to date with what's going on with the web. Um, and I just I think it's really important that people try that out. Were you, you know, thinking
0: of of Core starting to use Sass? I or? think it would be awesome if we did, yeah. because maintaining no this many thousand use. line files sucks. <laughs> yeah, that's no good. Core should definitely use it. Uh Themes in general. What do you think about themes using it, and why? Why is that hard? Why is that such a weird topic? Well, so themes. I, I don't think themes should be hard to use SASS, right? Like
2: either replace whatever CSS is there as SASS, or as someone just pointed out in the chat, CSS is valid SASS, so you can just drop it in a SASS file. I, I mean, I don't think that this should be controversial. There's, a, it's a huge part of the web. Preprocessors are a huge part of where front-end stuff is going. And there's no reason why people shouldn't be experimenting with it. A WordPress theme is just a directory that has some PHP and other resources. What those other resources are are your choice.
0: Here's why it's hard. It's hard because you, to use preprocessors, you're doing that on your own system. You need yeah. to be working locally to do that, and not every and, and, and WordPress doesn't you know Not everybody works locally with their WordPress site. It works so well; it's just PHP and MySQL. A lot of people just work right on their server for it. So the pre, it's not it's not that hard to get started pre-processing. But what it does mean, have a way to work locally and then move all those files. To a real server. You need probably version control and deployment. And those are bigger, nerdier topics than preprocessors are.
2: Yeah, I think so. I think actually we might,
0: there might be SAS in
2: the um, custom CSS package in Jetpack now. I can't remember. Um, but one of the things that I want to do with this, and this is also getting way into Nerdville, is um, I'm a big fan of Grunt, uh, Grunt.js, which is a um javascript based uh build tool um which is really really flexible and i'm especially pumped about the new stuff coming in uh 0.4 because it has a totally revamped watch task where it can actually handle watching a whole directory of wordpress files um much like you know something i don't think codekit can really handle it super well library load does pretty well um, like you're watching hundreds of files and it handles it without a blip. And so being able to do that and declare um, grunt files in your themes, in your plugins, and things like that, so that SAS would automatically compile, and we could have a flag where we say, if you install this thing, we're going to make sure that everything compiles completely on the fly for you. I think that would be a huge step into getting people moving forward and
0: experimenting more with themes and plugins. That would be so cool. Be so, like, you wouldn't even commit CSS, right? It would just you would just have that as your git ignore or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And you'd just
2: be able to mess with SAS. So you could either do it in your git, like as a git ignore, or you could do it as just it'll yeah. compile on the fly, and you can commit the results. It's really your call.
0: Yeah. Using- I, d- I need to get all my projects to a point where when I deploy, it it builds the SAS and then. So, it's, so just CSS is just stays out of my version control. Just, it's, it just seems so dumb to, 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 to be committing these totally. Like, what the diff on a CSS file every. ah uh, yeah. The file changed. Yeah.
2: Well, so, and the fact is, you're also creating probably minified files too, which just sucks. So, what we actually switched to for core is we now have a bump, uh, we have a bot called BumpBot where we commit CSS changes, and then it comes along every, I don't know, hour or so and just minifies any files
0: that have changes. Mm. Does, it, does it put like a... That's another concern, too, is that, like, uh, I don't know, kind of you're probably, you know, uh, a server-side or client-side caching these files, too. It'd be nice if, as long as it's a build process, it might as well, like, append some crazy query string to it or something so it breaks cache when you change it.
2: Well so we actually
0: do that um, in core to a degree, um with our own
2: versioning. So it, it actually changes the version of Repress Core, bumps it to whatever revision it is, which busts all the caches. Um okay. so if you're if you're running trunk or if you update a version, it just does that on the fly. But yeah, yeah. like build processes, that's part of why I love too is because you can it not like it not only handles SAS and less, but it, you know you can make it handle copy script. You can make it handle anything. You can do image compression. Um, you know you can do this concatenation minification. You can run it through RequireJS's rjs, which will like optimize your and bundle your build. It's amazing, and so I
1: think what's tricky is you just have to set it up. Yeah, <laughs> um, but it can all be done in one place, which is huge. I think that's my. I think using grunt's my
0: my first task here of twenty thirteen. Backbone I grunt. Well, I need to get into it too. I might as well. And if you're going to use grunt, maybe just do the whole thing and go yeoman the yeoman. whole way.
1: Go full yeoman on that. Yeah, totally.
0: Go full yeoman. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I think All that's the future. I think that's. I I was very convinced of that at CSS DevConf and in Control. Just hearing people talk about their
0: deployment processes. So, there you go. Hot tips. Let's see if we can do a couple, a uh, couple more rapid fire. Andrew oh. Dietrich says, "I've been building WordPress sites for over a year now, mostly custom themes for small businesses and entrepreneurs. I have a good understanding of the code base, but I want to take my themes to the next level." recommend I spend more time learning to build plugins, focus on performance, try to enhance my themes with more theme options. My ultimate goal will be building some sort of premium theme to sell as a, uh, as a type of, of passive income. So he's pretty good at WordPress, but wants to take it to the next level with this, with this goal in mind of selling premium things. What's, what's the, how can he get there? So
2: I think that all of those things are uh, valid thoughts. I think that I actually would play down the theme options. Um, I don't think that that's really like you don't need to overload your theme with theme options. You just have to pick good ones, Um, and you have to integrate them well. It's the same thing with really any plugin is that it should feel native inside the WordPress admin. Um, Because if the user like the user shouldn't even feel like it's there. Um, And my own thought about premium theme shops is that we have like all these premium themes and a lot of them are loaded up with custom features. But what I'm curious about is like, what if you adopted a premium model? What if you released like some really nicely designed themes for free and then had a, cu- a couple of custom plugins that add features to every single one. And that's where the payment comes in. And so you can get people on this thing and then have them upgrading. I don't know if it's viable, just like, I think it would be a totally cool thing, but the difference, but like if you're adding complex features to your theme, you're pretty much writing small plugins. Um, and I guess the one place that I would say would be a really cool place to focus is integrating into the customizer, um, which was introduced in 3.4 and is a live visual editor for your theme. Um, and we handle kind of all of the previewing and making it coexist with all of these other plugins. Um, and like, it's kind of the future for visual customization within WordPress, And so I think people are only really starting to touch the potential of where that could go. And I'm really, really excited to see some more themes start leveraging
0: it. Absolutely. Good answer for Andrew. There's lots of stuff you can do. I don't know goal is to sell premium themes. What you need to do, what, what you need to learn is transcends any of these really specific choices that you're talking about here. You need to figure out something that people really want to buy. So maybe you should ask some people like, Hey, what would you pay money for in WordPress and try to build that and, and, and choose what you need to learn to, to build that rather than making the choice about what to learn first.
2: Yeah. And this is all predicated on people
0: need to be able to buy your stuff <laughs> like, that's, yeah.
2: or people have to want to buy your stuff.
0: Right, right, uh, yeah. which means it looks looks great, works better. Next. Boom. All right, next one is a audio question,
1: our favorite kind of question here at the Shop Talk show. Here we go.
2: Hi, guys, love the show. Uh, just have a question on which platform to choose when you're looking at e-commerce. Um, I'm comfortable with WordPress, uh, stumbled on WooCommerce, downloaded a demo, and it's all looking pretty sweet. Um got a client that's quite large, has about 2,000 items um, just wondering if you would steer away from any WordPress solutions or uh, head towards any other particular options, uh, Magento maybe OpenCart, that kind of stuff um, I'm more of a web designer than a developer so I want to keep the amount of development pretty
1: pretty light on uh, yeah, so that's about all I had to ask thanks okay WordPress and e commerce what to avoid Daryl you got any input all right so you have you have really two choices to
0: make
2: here um, either you're going with a plugin that integrates the e commerce stuff into WordPress or you're going with a separate e commerce solution be it something huge like magento or a small widget type thing um, if you're going with the work might be like integrated into WordPress route um the three that kind of seem to come up a lot are WooCommerce, um, WP e-commerce, and Shop. Um, I don't think that there is a widely dominant one yet, at least in my mind. Um, and so you can do that, or you can just pick any e-commerce solution. And it's more about, like, you know, is are, are you trying to integrate deep into WordPress and kind of have this be a part of your theme, or are you okay directing to a different storefront? Do you want to use something like big cartel? Do you want to use a really simple widget? If you're selling one thing like shop Um you have a ton of different options, figure out what you're trying to do and then pick the right use case.
0: Good. are you selling digital content which is kind of what I'm doing on CSS Tricks, so I use restrict content pro which just it just uses the WordPress login system but has different access levels for those people and applies it so that that's an option too or uh, shopify is an option that's not WordPress or in the past I've used one um, called foxy cart which doesn't have anything to do with WordPress but it just you just feed it values feed it a price feed it the name of a, a product and it gives you a button you click and it adds it to the cart so it's kind of bring your own CMS There's just a million things to think of. Um, I would write down the things that you absolutely know that you need to have, you know, like, like I need a CMS because I, I, am going to give this to a client and they are going to need to update prices and they're going to need to update images and stuff. And they're going to need somewhere to do that. So I need, I need a a, a control over lots of that stuff. But, but I don't really care about your, you know, I need PayPal or I need Stripe or whatever, but I don't care about X, Y, and Z and just look. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's just – and you know what? You might come up with three that are that, that all seem like they're going to work. You might just have to just pick one. Mm-hmm. The good news is that
2: whatever you want to do, someone on the internet has probably built something close to what you want. <laughs> so find it. Use it.
1: Yeah. yeah. I think WooCommerce is – I hear good things about um, – also, Shopify
0: is pretty. Did you mention that, Chris? But the, I mean, just briefly because you mentioned Big Cartel. They're very, they're yeah, similar. Yeah, awesome.
1: but uh, both Big Cartel and Shopify. I've used them both. They're they're pretty like, I mean, WordPressy in just how uh, designer friendly they are. Just they're they're pretty easy to manage and use. Um, a step beyond that, I had good luck with Lemon Stand, but that's pretty advanced. There, um, it's pretty robust. These are options, you know, like. It just depends on how advanced, but I'd also be careful of, uh, what your client needs. Like after the fact, like there's stuff you're probably not thinking of, like they needed to integrate with their QuickBooks or something like that. Like make sure that those goals are covered because yeah, like that's where it can get tricky. You know, like you went this WordPress route, this custom plugin, but then it turns out it doesn't work at all with QuickBooks or whatever. So yeah,
0: that's all I got. I'm done. Mm-mm. Let's finish up with this last one by Fardim, and then... Fardim... Everybody. Here we go. Oh, that's
1: the last audio question. I'm just going to make sure. Here we go. Okay, here we go.
0: Hi, I'm Fardim Munir, and my question is, how do I start contributing to WordPress? Thank you.
1: Oh, uh, this is a good question. How do you do it, Daryl. I
2: I love this question.
1: Um, it's
2: really not that hard. I mean, it's, I think that contributing at first can seem really daunting. But what's important to know is that everyone kind of is just, they're another developer. They're just like you, and they don't know stuff. Like, I i learned a lot of front-end stuff by contributing to WordPress. Um, and you can probably see it in the code. <laughs> and, <laughs> and really, it's a function of time, right? So we have the, the hub of our development um, is not GitHub, um, which hopefully shouldn't put that many devs off. Um, but it is core.svn or sorry, core.track t-r-a-c dot wordpress org um, and that's our bug tracker that has all these different bugs and categorizations and we have weekly meetings in Freenode's wordpress dev channel um, I think right now it's every Wednesday at 1pm pacific, something like that um, and, yeah, just go to those and start contributing. Um, for a lot of people, like, you'll start with, like, a patch or two. I got involved. My first patch was a performance patch. And it took a little while for that to be accepted. And then I did another small patch. And then a couple years ago, um, at 3.0, um, Menus was in danger of being cut out of core. And so I just started contributing and writing patches and spent like a whole week just making this happen. And once you kind of get this consistent um once you start consistently contributing, it's really addicting. Um, it feels like and it feels really great because you're kind of putting this code into helping all these people and you become a known quantity and people start saying, Oh, hey, can you do this? Can you do that? Or like, you know, do you want to work on a larger feature this release? Um, so it's small and it's a function of time. So the most important thing is just don't be scared um and come in and just find something that you want to do or if you find a bug fix it like i it's really hard for me to understand how people are working with wordpress every day to make their living and if you're doing some sort of development you're probably going to find a bug there's a lot of code in wordpress and if you find a bug you know report it and if you can figure out what's happening instead of working around it fix it, and put a patch in. And so that's how you start contributing to core. But that's not the whole story. So you can also contribute on the forums by doing support just for people's installs. You can be a part of the theme review team, which helps make sure that all of the themes on WordPress.org comply to good standards and are secure and all these other things. Um, I think we're starting to do some plugins work too. Um, So we have, if you go to... Make.WordPress.Org. There are all of these different sites on how you can get involved um, in very in all these different areas. Docs are another thing. Unit tests are another that we're trying to flesh out even more. There's so so much you can do. It's not just limited to contributing to core. It's not scary. Um, we will yeah, hopefully welcome you with open arms. And yeah, come and contribute.
1: Awesome. Cool. Make.WordPress.Org. Nice. Well, I think that's all we got time for today, uh, Daryl. Thank you so much for uh, coming on the show. Uh, we like to ask people how can people follow you, get in touch with you, be your best friend, give you money. How does that work on the internet? Amazing.
2: Um, so on the Twitters, I am Coop K O O P. Um, on the rest of the internets, I am Daryl Coop D A R Y L K O O P dot com. Um, and yeah I'm there and there's an email link there on um, github on coop again it's usually one of those two names um, so yeah I, I'm on the internet believe it or not Perfect. Um, so yeah find me
1: and if you want to hire him remember our 15% headhunter fee uh, that's all it takes and uh, thanks everyone for coming out in the chat room live tons of people man our chat room was filled with like 140 people that was amazing uh, and then, uh, yeah, thanks for doing that. Follow us on Twitter at Shop Talk Show. Buy our t shirts at shop or shoptalkshow.com slash store, I think. And, Chris?
0: Yep, yep,
1: yep, yep. Shoptalkshow.com.